Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for March 26th of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHates.com. Welcome back. Uh, this week on the podcast, we will catch up with the Pittsburgh Penguins, what they've been up to the last two weeks, uh, both on ice, as far as what they're doing to keep themselves in a playoff position, uh, navigating quite a number of injuries. They're, those are starting to rack up. And we'll definitely be talking about future moves, what they can do to improve their chances of making a deeper playoff run while trying to also balance long-term. And let me just say this, spoiler, not going to be easy. (laughs) (laughs) So, but we're going to try our best to come up with some options here. And um, that's, uh, that's the agenda for today. So, since the last time we talked, we knew the Penguins were going to head into a time period where they got to beat up on some teams finally. And they played the Sabres a bunch of times. They played the Devils uh, three times. They ended up going 1-1-1 one, one, and one against the Devils, if I'm correct. That feels right, number-wise, yeah. And uh, they were able to dust up on the Sabres because, you know, Everybody can. Everybody can and everybody does. And the Sabres, are, after the Pittsburgh's victory last night, are sitting on 16 losses in a row. The 0304 Penguins, let me give you some advice. Go get some champagne. You might, <laughs> you might not be the record holders anymore at 18 games in a row. Might yeah, be able to their, pop that bubbly. Their reward wasn't Crosby and Gino at the end of that, was it? <laughs> For Buffalo. It doesn't appear like it's going to be, no. So, it's uh, it's tough in Buffalo, but for as far as the Penguins are concerned, perfect team at the perfect time because they are without Evgeny Malkin. They are without Jason Zucker, obviously. He's been out for quite a while, although starting to skate. Surprisingly, before one of the Devil games, was it the Devils or was it might have been a Sabres game. I think around March 11th-ish. Brandon Tanev, upper body injury. He's been out for quite a while. And Kasperi Kapanen. So some legitimate forwards there. You're talking about Evgeny Malkin, who is playing great. And Tanev, who's had a good year. Kasperi Kapanen's had a good year. And Jason Zucker did not have a good year, but he's still better than the players that have been put in the lineup since that's for sure what you think he's better than jankowski what i think he could play Anything tonight a garbage can be better. is better than jankowski yes i know <laughs> mark jankowski for a used syringe who says no <laughs> the syringe yeah like what the hell uh, I didn't plan. I don't want to go on a huge rant on him, but I've been beating him up on Twitter because he sucks. I know. That's why I brought it up. It's why I brought it up. <laughs> he sucks, and it's so funny because Jim Rutherford signed him with the intent of him being like the third line center, and he's not even every like Penguins random player, including Radim Zahorna, who scored his first ever goal last night on his first shot has shown to be more capable than this guy. He's like one of the worst penguins of the era. Just out of curiosity, it feels like every coach has one of these players on every team. Because, like, or is it just that because we follow the penguins, it always seems like the penguins coaches always have one of these players on each of their team each year. I think every team probably does. But the sample of, of... Jankowski, like, he's not doing anything well. He hasn't yeah. scored on a real goalie since the first game of the year. Because no, he has, he has an empty net goal, and that even that was against Buffalo. He's not that good of a penalty killer. I looked into, the, like, the shot suppression stuff. He's pretty pedestrian at that. Um, I, I don't get it. He's literally below replacement level. And just to point out, like how bad some of this depth has been. 
Jankowski, Lafferty, Sevier. Last night against the Buffalo Sabres, <laughs> all three of them had uh, four shot attempts for when they were on the ice. Jankowski and Lafferty had 21 against, Sevier 20 against for 16% Corsi 4 percentage. Jesus Christ. Against the 2021 Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> the Sabres that's, without Eichel. That, you know, I know, I know we're kind of having a bit of a joke about this, but this team won't go past the second round if it is constructed with that. I don't think any thing. of those three will be playing meaningful minutes if they're healthy. Assuming they bring in somebody via trade. But, but that's the that's the concern. I don't know if they can bring in something that would shuffle those guys down the lineup. I think they will. I think um Brian Burke uh, had that his interview with Josh Yoey the other day. And while some of it was a little bit potentially uh, discouraging, overall it does sound like they're really going to try to do something. But the one thing that they did say, or he said, is he, they don't, Poulin and Laguerre aren't really on the table. And... I don't know. I clearly I've never treated them like I don't think people do treat them like blue chip prospects, but I do think people treat them as a little more valuable than they are because they're the best of what the Penguins have. Yeah, they're one and two on the depth chart of a depth chart that's low, so you end up doing exactly that. It's all relative. You're exactly right. I'm looking at some of their stats this year in the, in the queue first i don't respect the queue it is a league as much as some of the other canadian junior leagues i think the queue is kind of a joke sometimes and when you're an overage player and you're 20 years old playing in the queue it's your fourth year in the league i want you to be a little bit more than slightly better than a point per game which is um Poulin is just a shade above and Laguerre a little bit better. He's got like 22 points in like 16 games or some, something along those lines. But even that, when you're talking about the Q, isn't, doesn't scream, I'm going to make an impact at the NHL anytime soon. Because in Max Talbot's overage year, his fourth year in the Q, he had something like 98 points in 52 games. Max Talbot. I'll show you the golf, yeah. Max Talbot. Like, mm. fine NHL player. Of course, some of the best moments in Penguins history, scoring twice in Game 7. But he's he, he was a, a bottom six player, not known for scoring. Uh, he did have that one year in Philadelphia when he caught a shooting percentage streak. But what are we really talking about with Laguerre and Poulin? When will they be able to help the Penguins? I don't think taking them off the table is a good idea, and perhaps it's just posturing by Burke, and if it is, you know, so be it. Uh, but if, if that's authentic, uh, I disagree with it. And I'm not talking about trading one of them for a rental. Even someone like Taylor Hall. Uh, I was going to say Eric Stahl, but he... He's off to Montreal. He got traded yeah, so 20 minutes before the, the pod. Yeah, that's... I thought he would have been a good option for Pittsburgh, and he only went for a third and a fifth-round pick, which is pretty low for him, if, you, if I'm being honest. And I think Buffalo has sucked the life out of everybody, so I think he's due for a bounce back. Uh, the problem, though, for the Penguins, as I mentioned before, it's going to be difficult. So you take Poulin and Laguerre off the board. They only have a second, a fifth, and potentially three seventh-round picks. It's seventh-round. Seventh-round. Three of them. Add them up. It's um, 21. They have definitely two. The third one is a um, conditional. Uh, Nick Bugstad playing in, I thought I saw it, like 70 games or getting 35 points. I don't know if they redid the conditions because of the shortened year, but I don't think he's hitting hitting the marks anyway so it looks like probably just the two seventh round picks so 
A second, a fifth, and two sevenths. That's what they're working with. Yeah. And it sounded so like the, Burke was a little frustrated by the, the cupboard being that bare in the interview. It's, it's interesting because the usually you get to a team situation like this and they've got a bit of salary cap space available so they can, you know, they don't have to be dollar in, dollar out, like exactly like that. They're, every team around the league that's trying to win this thing is pretty much in that same situation where this year it is dollar in, dollar out because the cap's been so flat. So I don't know how teams are going to use their draft picks like they have in previous years because the value of the draft pick is so high because teams aren't bringing money in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, this year's weird. Like, we're only 16 days away from, from the trade deadline. I reckon there's going to be a bit of action in the next four or five days because of the 14-day um, quarantine, even uh-huh. though it looks like they it might it in half. be... Sh- has it actually cut? Yes, as of, like, yesterday. Yeah, right. So, it's seven. So if, but that's still yeah. seven. It's, yeah, so it's the same thing. So, the trade deadline probably is going to be what will that be like 11 nine days away or something really because teams aren't going to want to be having the new guy come in on trade deadline day and then have to wait another seven days after that to get him on board because the everything's so compressed you could lose four games in a row without that guy and your season's toast yeah and eric Stahl will have to go through that going buffalo to montreal but that's going to start now, and Montreal will have a good chunk of time with him. So um, people were worried about the North Division trading with other divisions. Well, so far we've we've got the first one there, and I it think it shows you them, how much he it shows you how much he wanted out of Buffalo. He's willing to go through a, a seven day quarantine and go to a team that was on his no trade. I don't want to go there list. Jesus. I mean, yeah, of course he would would, would wave. Who who wouldn't he wave for? I can't I imagine the another team. Oh, I did, yeah, on Twitter. <laughs> hey, name a team that he doesn't wave for at this point in time. Like, anything to get out of Buffalo. Well, that's and he, he kind of got blindsided by that trade, too. He thought, I don't got to put Buffalo on the thing. Why would they trade for me? Yeah, but it's, it's the thing. It's like Ottawa... Ottawa, Anaheim, and Detroit are all teams that are you know having a terrible year, but it's not the tire fire the Buffalo is like. It is just a black hole of pain. Yeah, they're awful. Whew. Yeah, it's um not going to get any better anytime soon. No, so... Well, that's the thing. It's like you know you make the joke about you know the two thousand and two three Penguins. It's it's that level bad, but it's like what's at the other end of it? You know, franchises turn on the coin flip of a draft lottery ball and the quality of the player that's available. And from what I can gather, no one knows what's in this draft very well. In regards to there's no there's no you know 15 year franchise player, so it's like bad time to suck people. Yeah, as far as my fringe following of the draft, you know when there's a year. Like, you hear the number one picks yeah. them over and over and over again. And I, I just don't um, hear much about this year. I'm, no. I, have, I haven't gone out of my way to consume any of it, but usually it's unavoidable. So, yeah, it's... Um, It's just uh it's weird year, you know? It is. So um a few other things I wanna mention about uh the on ice product as far as Pittsburgh. They're they've stayed afloat. Like they, they were they had played more games than most of the division. So they caught the Devils and the Sabres at the right time. They, they took enough points out of that where they are 10 points ahead of the Flyers right now 
The Flyers may have two games in hand, but judging by my math, even in a best-case scenario for Philadelphia, they are still six points short, even if they win those games. And that's a hell of an assumption that they will win those games because Carter Hart stinks right now, and the Rangers are just dummying them every time they play. Uh, Ten points is a huge number to overcome. It's, it's interesting. It's like I keep I keep keeping an eye on the percentage points that they're being given because Boston's missed another couple of games with postponements. We discussed this, I think, right at the start of the year. They're not getting, Every team is not going to get all of their 56 in. So you don't, you don't think? I, I don't. I, I can't see how that's going to happen. Like, if Dallas have any other games that get postponed, I don't know where they're going to fill their bucket from because they've been playing catch-up for forever since the start of the year. They've still only played 30 games this year. Mm-hmm. So Boston's only played 29. And there's not a lot of room to stash games in there. So I sort of keep an eye on what the percentages of all the teams are. And, you know, Pittsburgh is now percentage-wise in front of Boston, which <clears throat> I think is more important than the fact that they're, you know, they're in front by actual hard points. So they've done a really good job of having a terrible start but still winning games and then losing important pieces and then getting on Sid's shoulders and winning games that you have to win. You can't afford to lose to Buffalo. And and they didn't. And they didn't. And yeah, they may have lost a game to Jersey, but they still came out with, what was it? It was three. They came out with three points out of the six games or something? Not ideal, but certainly it could have been worse given the situation. Yeah. yeah. And the Devils are always difficult for Pittsburgh to play against. Some teams just are, no matter what the roster is, no matter what the roster's comprised of. So they got out of that. Well, they've been lucky that Philly has gone into a tailspin. <laughs> Um, it makes it so much, so much more breathing room, room yeah. for air. And as I usually say every year, when they, they go on a little positive run while they're trying to search for improvements, buy some time. There's it no does. panic. Yeah. Cause what, what worries me is they've still got to play a few more games against Boston and the Islanders. Those yeah. are the next four. So. Yeah, and it's like, you know, Patrice Bergeron makes Crosby's life hell. Yeah, if they're a one-line team and, and the Bruins decide to go strength on strength, although they might not even have to decide that, for some strange reason, Mike Sullivan seeks that out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. That that's will... fine when you've got Malkin just... You know, riding shotgun. I'd argue it's not fine, even with Melkin. Like, especially when you're home. Like, yeah, there's no excuse. You shouldn't be doing it. I agree, but the team is structured in a way where technically you can get away with it. Yeah. Yep. Even though I disagree, but I'm doing it. But with Melkin in the lineup, the argument for strength on strength against the Bruins is a little better, but not right yeah. now. Holy cow. No, and that's the that's the thing. Like, Boston can chew up some of that ground on Pittsburgh, and then if Pittsburgh gets stuck on forty four points for a little while because they've got to play the Islanders in Boston, and the New York Rangers keep beating up, <laughs> although they've got to run out of games against Philly sooner or later, don't they? <laughs> I'm sure they hope so. Yeah. So, but all I'm saying is, that all of a sudden, the Rangers get up to like 40 points and they're right they're right there at fifth in the division barking right up Pittsburgh's backside so oh, yeah it, it is fascinating this year in regards to how quickly things can turn because I would have had no thought that Philly would have ended up having this tailspin they're currently running I, through right now I, I could have easily seen them in fifth place just in general but the way they've gone about it is yeah, ugly. that's the bit that's yeah, that's what's got me absolutely shocked. I'm like, what the hell is going on there? And goalies can can have rough patches, but this kind of rough patch, 
Well, Carter Hart has no more of a sample than really Tristan Jari does. Everybody's Hurt. just anointed him as being an automatic top half starter in the league, and he was playing that way for the first two years, uh, uh, but he didn't play full seasons. And, you know, he's having a rough go of it now. I wouldn't make any bold declarations on who he is as a goaltender overall, but he's having a real shitty season this year. I think he's yeah. battling out with Thomas Grice for the uh, lowest goal saved above average in the league. That's that's brutal because he plays for Detroit, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty tough. It's it's it is interesting that Jerry had a really rough start to the year. The team in front of him looked rough, right? Reading through some of the stuff with the Philly gear. The team is really rough in front of hard at the moment. And you know how it felt like Jerry was flip-flopping around like Fleury? Mm-hmm. And it was because he was it was like he was hyper because he didn't know where the puck was going to be. He couldn't track the puck, didn't trust the players in front of him. I don't know how Pittsburgh managed to turn that trust around, whether Jerry just got it right and then the team relaxed, or whether the team relaxed and then Jerry got it right, but that's what Philadelphia need, because Jerry's save percentage right now is about to be like 9-10, and there's no way I thought he'd get his season save percentage anywhere near that at the start of the year. He's been excellent, so has DeSmith for that matter. Yeah. And they were both bad, and it it really sunk the team early in the year because not much you can do about really bad goaltending. Lately, though, they've kept them in every game. They've been uh, superb. And much like I'm going to say what I did at the beginning of the year, sure, they could turn it around or they could stay the same. Feel the same way right now. Sure, yeah. they could keep playing great or it could go in another direction. You just don't know. Uh, but what has happened is they've banked a lot of points, taking advantage of the good goaltending, and the this goaltending duo might be among the tops in the league since that turnaround. In fact, I think which statistically is, they they might be. Which is amazing because of how bad it was. They were at the bottom. So, yeah. They were literally at the bottom. Uh, the Penguins were, gosh, their five-on-five save percentage as a team was, I think, in the eights. Oh, no, it had an eight in front of it. It it had an eight. You want to know what it is right now? They're fourth in the league at 9.30. Bullshit. Yeah. What a turnaround. That's amazing. That's season average, is it? Overall, it counts counts the shit. Wow. (laughs) Good grief. Yeah, it's been a run. So they deserve... um, Full marks for keeping this train on the tracks. Yeah. This season, at any point, could have gone sideways. Imagine the injuries with them playing the way that they were. Yeah, I know. Has it been a year where Pittsburgh haven't been hit by the injury bug? No. (laughs) Like, I, I know the league's been hit by the injury bug this year. Because of the compressed schedule. There's no two ways about it that people are getting upper and lower body injuries due to the fact that they're playing more often in such a short space of time. But this happens to Pittsburgh every fucking year. <laughs> yeah, not to Jack Johnson or Mark Jankowski. No, it's just the ones that you need to have on Speaking the of which, Jack Johnson ones. is out for the rest of the year for the Rangers, go figure. Bastards. Not that, um, you know, I'm obviously you... not rooting for injuries here. But no, just, no, no. Injuries happen in hockey, but for Pittsburgh, it's never, it's, it's always you never get players. You never get the cap relief that you need from the right player being hurt at the right time. I know what you're saying. How do they get it better? Who do we go and look for? Because the one guy I thought that would be good is uh, now in Montreal 
and the wife said we should go and get Jeremy Yeager, and I laughed. So I'm out of ideas. Listen, I tweeted about this the other game. Uh, it might have been the New Jersey game. He was better. Yammer Yager at 49 years old is better than st- maybe six of the forwards the Penguins used against the Devils. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. But he's not coming, so we have to find some other options. <laughs> no, no. Let's be honest, though. Things will get a lot better if if they can get just their, the players they already have rights for the players that are already on the roster, um, especially with Jared McCann playing the way that he has this year, uh, much better than he did last year. And I know, and it's not even a recency bias, uh, oh, he almost had a hat trick last night. He, um, he's been better. He's had jump. He's shooting the puck well. He's got seven, he's got seven goals in 21 games. That's a goal every third game. Yeah, not bad. He can shoot. You've just got to get him into the spots. So, so, yeah. so it's interesting with him. You can put him with Malkin because I, I don't want Jason Zucker anywhere near Malkin. Uh, and part of my Eric Stahl intrigue was uh, pairing him back up with Zucker. Yes. Yep. So that's obviously that's off the table. Screw you, um, Montreal. Um, but I don't want Zucker anywhere near Malkin. I would go maybe even to the extent of thinking about taking Gensel from Crosby and putting Zucker there, because we saw that at least have some kind of success. Yeah. And I would leave Rust with, with Sid. That's fine. And roll out a McCann, Malkin, Kapanen thing. But you're still left with, like, an underwhelming third line even with um that so if you add somebody now you maybe bump zucker down to the third line playing with bluger and tanev or something like that that's a little bit more appealing to me than what they kind of have so do you so are you looking for a another top six forward or are you looking for a better third line center I think you have to be flexible in that approach. Beggars can't be choosers, and I've I've gone over the limited pool of assets the (laughs) Penguins have. Whatever you can get your hands on, someone like Jared McCann helps you with that. Because if you do get a top six winger, okay, bump McCann, make him the third line center, bump somebody else. Like there's, McCann is movable. Yes, that's a good. It's, it creates more options for trades because of his flexibility. We can get into the semantics on whether he's a better center versus a wing or whatever, but the point is he can. And depending on who you're bringing in, yeah. it can really help out having that flexibility. Yes, because it, it, it is one of those issues where it's like you you've got to... It's so hard because they have no assets. I don't... People... Well, I was going to say, they're not just going to give assets away. That said, though, Eric Stahl just got given away. Um, so you just got to hope somebody else makes a mistake like that to... I have a feeling they're going to end up having to improve the, improve the third-line centre position with an actual third-line centre as opposed to being able to grab uh, an asset that would fill the roster higher up the lineup and then obviously have all the players sort of trickle down, if that makes sense. I just I just can't see them having an asset that would be high enough value external to the club that they'll go, yeah, 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 we'll give you a, a second line of winger. I just, I just can't see that. Well, if you want to stay on the Buffalo theme... Let's do that, because everybody's tearing the shreds off the uh, carcass. Taylor Hall. He is from, like, the classic stats, having a horrible year. Yep. Um, Sabres have no leverage here, given that his stats don't look great, and they're between a rock and a hard place 
everybody knows that they kind of have to deal there. Um, you know, he what Taylor Hall wasn't exactly on the top of my radar uh, heading into the year or even till a few days ago, but when they start talking about how he's not even going to have a first-round price tag, and Paul Hamilton on Buffalo's radio, he works for the WGR 550, he said something along the lines of, like, a third-round pick. I don't agree with that. I think that's a little too low. And quite frankly, the Penguins don't even have one of those anyways. Well, that's the laughable part about it, isn't it? Uh, Penguins do have a second-round pick. And I'm okay moving that pick to make a go of it if the Penguins, if they believe they're going to be healthy. Yeah. I think it's okay to do a rental like Hall because you're, you really are running out of runway with Crosby and Malkin. And that second-round pick is not going to save the franchise. No, no and, and at some point you've got to do the cost-benefit of, all right, now we do have to start acquiring assets because we know these guys are, are going. And that's, you know, we're, just, we're not at that point yet with, with the superstars. Um, so I guess where I'm going to go with a lot of my options here and i'm going to do it based on what burke said like if if Poulin and laguerre are not available then who are we left with on the active roster that you could feasibly move out without losing too much on the uh current product to bring in in uh somebody in another area that can help the team a little bit more and i just keep coming back to marcus Pedersen. And with Buffalo, they're navigating a really tricky situation with Jack Eichel before he asks to leave. Getting prospects and picks for Taylor Hall, does Jack Eichel, that does shit for him. He doesn't give a fuck about prospects and picks. Now, I understand that Marcus Pedersen doesn't move the needle either, but he's a functional NHL player that is better than what a lot of what they have currently. That seems more functional for what the Sabres are trying to do. How many more years are you going to stack prospects and picks? Yeah. You're either going to start adding to the now, or you might as well gut it and trade Eichel. Right? So I think I they would know. want yeah. I think they would want like a playable NHL player. Now, you attach a second round pick to Pedersen, and maybe you get Hall. And I know I got um, a lot of people uh, aren't a fan of targeting Taylor Hall because they can't get past his year that he's having, but I think he's having a better year than he did last year. And he's playing on Buffalo. It's just toxic. You can't... Every player on that team, if you look at their wins above replacement, it looks like a really awesome sledding hill (laughs) from from last year to this year. That includes Jack Eichel. That includes uh, Hall. That includes Eric Stahl. Uh, I believe it includes Rasmus Dahlin. Anybody who's had a history of being good at hockey is a complete disaster in Buffalo this year. So at some point you just have to chalk it up to Buffalo being Buffalo and these players are going to bounce back because Micah Blake McCurdy tweeted out the Taylor Hall. um, When he's on the ice, the Sabres are plus 1% offensively compared to league average. And that doesn't sound great. When he's off the ice, it's negative 21%. I was going to say, what is it relative to the rest of the team? And it would, it's way higher than I thought. That's quite, that's quite impressive, really. So he's still doing good things. He's creating chances. He is also ridiculously unlucky this year. You get him out of a shit situation, which I suppose would be the first time ever in his career. <laughs> <laughs> Guy is a glutton for punishment. And I don't blame him for 
I, I know that in hindsight it looks pretty dopey that he signed with Buffalo, but Buffalo wasn't pegged to be a 16-loss-in-a-row team. He was going to play with Eichel. He was going to get his stats and hopefully get his money next year. It didn't work. I understand the bet, though. Right? I mean, like, the, the, the thing for him now is getting to somewhere that's going to go into a playoff run and him playing well when, in games that matter to get his money. Because that's and, the only thing he's going to be able to get there and say, hey, I am worth $8 million because I did it in the playoffs. Because that's it's yeah. I it, he needs he needs to find somewhere to go that will go a couple of rounds, if not three rounds at least. And he has full control. He can control wherever he goes. He has a full no movement clause. I doubt Pittsburgh would be somewhere where he'd say no. It has Sidney Crosby. How do they fit him in the cap? Well, Sabres would retain the uh, four million, the fifty percent. And Patterson would offset the other four. All right. So that's... And I suppose that's what you could say the second round draft picks for is to actually retain the four mil. That would be my thought process. Yeah. I know it it seems steep based on what the Penguins have in the cupboard. I don't care about Marcus Patterson. He's fine. Uh, It's a cap dump. Think about this offseason when you're trying to redo the, the lineup again. Do you really want $4 million tied up in Marcus Pedersen? Do you really think that that's a good mid-tier contract for this team right now? And do we not roll the dice with Pierre-Olivier Joseph? Well, you and I certainly do. I know that. Like, so what are we... Like, that is why I think Marcus Pedersen is, um, you know, I think... He's the obvious one. He's the super obvious thing here. You got to at least try. Yeah, no, I, I, and I, I know Hall's technically a rental, but I think you could still. He doesn't seem to make all the best choices. Maybe, maybe you get him for three years at like six and a half mil after this. It's interesting, if you got someone like him for that length of time, it may just extend out the window that is getting smaller and smaller. Right? I think, yeah. That, oh, this is all it's not a perfect idea, obviously. but again, let's frame this properly. Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. Where are you going to get bang for your assets? If you're buying low on Taylor Hall, that sounds pretty good compared to like maybe some of the other stuff out there because taylor hall can be a difference maker he's an mvp a few years ago okay he played on a crappy devils team a crappy coyotes team and a crappy sabers team i think there's still juice left I, i i agree i don't think he's i don't think he's hit the other side of the hill steeply at 29 and he's on the downward slide i don't think he's at that point um, he he fits yeah. the Penguins' window. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, he's not the only option. He's just, he's out there. And last night he said, yeah, I'd listen to trade offers. Come on. What, <laughs> so, are you, are you stupid? <laughs> so that was the first time he, he had publicly had acknowledged something like that. Um, so I would, you know, Patterson in a second. If the Sabres say no, okay, move on. Um, what can they move on to? Well, you know, it's tough to know everybody who's on the market, but um, I know we brought this up in, like, January. Uh, it would be interesting to see uh, what the Ducks do with someone like Ryan Getzlaff. I mean, the yeah, Brian Burke connection yeah. being very obvious. I love Ryan that, Getzlaff, so yeah, I'm honest. I know. For me, that would just be... A more perfect match than Eric Stoll, I would think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. Well, Getzlaff seems like he could net a first round pick, probably. Who knows? I'd be curious to know what they want to do there. He's kind of in control of his destiny. Yeah. He might not even want to get traded. 
Well, you're definitely nothing against Pittsburgh, but you are going from a nice, warm California environment into Pittsburgh, although you are doing it through pushing into summer, so it might not be too bad. Lifestyle is something that I never used to really think and it's, about. And it's only a few months. Correct. And it is something I never used to really put any value in. It's like, oh, come on, they're professional players. They're fine. But, yeah, it is something Well, for that... long term, for sure. But if it's Yes, hard... like you said, because this is such a short-term concept, you could do that and go back. So, that's not a bad call, actually. Gets laugh. Well, I mean, that's I would I would love that personally. I I don't see that as being ultra realistic. But so just, given given the Burke combo, yeah, I mean, you're talking about something that makes um, there's a connection there that some other teams might not have. True. Yeah, and by only... other teams, I mean most teams. So, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're. Right. I was going to say normally by about now. We've got an idea of who technically would be a seller and who technically would be a buyer, and it's usually obviously top ends, top ends of the of the league are the buyers and the sellers are the bottom end. Everything is so compressed in all the divisions, and everyone is just chasing position four, who's outside of it. There aren't many teams that I would say they're going to give up on it, like Ottawa will, Anaheim will. Buffalo hey. quite clearly. Okay, in Detroit. so would, would you like my next yeah, option? Yeah, because I'm... And let me just be clear, I'm not advocating for this option. But I think it's... The path is a little clearer than I think um, some would like to admit. What kind of player did Burke talk about wanting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Physical? We'll move past that point. Physical? Yeah. Like, and my my thing with that is... I'm not anti-physical. I'm anti-physical, no skill. Correct. But the problem is to get physical, big physical players with skill, that's like the one blind spot no general manager in the league has. They all love big physical skilled players. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's no way there's a GM in this league anywhere that's like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't sound good. So, given what the Penguins have for assets, like, how realistic is that? Yeah, not great. Although that does define Getzlaff a little bit. But, staying in that neck of the woods, there's a two-time Stanley Cup champion winger with 14 goals right now on a Kings team that probably wouldn't mind selling. And uh, his name is Dustin Brown. Oh, no way. <laughs> I hate Dustin Brown. I slashed him before, so he was a freshman in high school when I was a senior. <laughs> Little prick. Um, <laughs> he was a really good player. Um, as a freshman, but I did. Right on top of his laces, too, like a real prick. Maybe, See, maybe, would... I'm, maybe I'm where he got it from. <laughs> I would rather I would rather Jeff Carter than Dustin Brown, but I understand why you're doing the Dustin Brown thing. He is having a a better year than previously, um, and what he would provide at the position would probably suit the needs a little better, I suppose. And let's be honest, it fits the mo of, of Burke. Yes, and furthermore, yes, Ron Hextall was the Flyers GM, but what was his position before that? Yeah, it was with the Kings. Yeah. He was an assistant general manager with the Kings. So you have Burke, who's in Anaheim, sees the Kings all the time. Hextall, who worked with the Kings. So here's the deal. Dustin Brown is about, he's a shade under 50% for expected goals for this year. However, it is third best on the Kings. So relative to his teammates, pretty pretty solid. He has 14 goals. That's a shitload. It is, actually, yes. He is shooting 16%, which is above his career average of 9.9. I I think there's a path here. And I would argue getting a right winger is more important than a left winger. Yeah. Because if you you can run out... McCann, Bluger, Brown, or something like that, as a third line, or Zucker, Bluger, Brown. 
and leave um, McCann with Malkin and Kapanen and then don't touch the first line. Um, now you got yourself a little bit, and you still got Tanev to play fourth line. Maybe that's with Goudreau now, who looks functional. True. And Aston Reese is a fourth line left wing. That's um, it's okay. He is a $5.8 million player, and he is not a rental. He has one more year left. He is 36 years old. Um, again, not advocating for the move, but if you want to connect some dots, I think there's um, I think there's something there. It's. It, I do find it interesting that the connect the dots thing, it feels like that happens much more frequently in this sport yes. than it does in basketball or in, in the NFL or in baseball where general managers in hockey seem to go, oh, I drafted that kid or I had that person in my organization that I was in 10 years ago. Let's bring that person in because I trust that person. Yeah, we so, call that the Jim Rutherford. Well, yeah. So your logic here is pretty solid. I am worried about the oh, following, the following yeah, there's, year. There's legit be worried. <laughs> like, oh, yes. No, no, like you said, you, you weren't advocating for it as such. You were saying it is a possibility there. What, what has been good about today's podcast is that you've managed to spread my eyes a lot wider in regards to what's possible. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I really felt like that Pittsburgh were really kind of screwed in regards to what they could or couldn't do. But you've been able, particularly when just before the podcast bloody started, Eric decided to go to freaking Montreal. So this gives me some hope that the roster isn't going to be as it's currently constructed when healthy. They need and, more. And the, and the Brown thing would be, again, like Pedersen in a second or something. Yeah, I, I think you and I pegged the the. Pet that might be their best package, Pedersen in a second. Yeah, and, and I think if as fans we we run with that as a thought process through everything that we look at, you can then get a better idea of what you might be able to bring back. So that's you know. that, I mean, come up with a better realistic package that they'd be willing to part with if they're not using the two top prospects. Now, actually, with the whole they're going to ship Pedersen out, are they going to trust Joseph, or are I they think... going to are they going to use Ruedel in the third line in the third pairing role? Oh, and, and leave Math. You can't do Mathis and Marino. No, it's it's a really bad pairing, and that would be the hesitation of moving Pedersen. But at some point, like Marino, you got to. Again, back to Mike Matheson fucking everything up, but it, it's the reality of the situation. He's not going anywhere. He's and quite frankly, like he's had moments where everybody's like, "Oh, well, that was really nice." He's got like four points and fucking I don't know how many games he's played. Twenty something. Five points in twenty six games. Oh, he got must have got one against the Sabers. No, and that's in nineteen minutes a night. He's that's supposed to be his thing, like being able to contribute offensively, because he sure as shit ain't good defensively. He can move, and he can get the puck out of the zone. But if you get half a thought of getting trapped in the zone, you're stuck in there with him. He can't retrieve the puck. Like, it's one of the things with Latang. Not only can Latang motor and get the puck out either with a pass or with his skating ability, he can get the puck back. Like, I, I, I think there are times where people shortchange his ability to retrieve the puck and then move with it, however he goes about getting it out of the zone. Matheson, once he's been given the puck, can get it out of the zone with his wheels, and he's, you know better than average in regards to passing it out of the zone as well. But you can't get the puck back. And at least Pedersen can can get the puck back. That's the thing. I don't it's... even care if you can't get the puck back, but you better you damn well better be able to to be make more of a dent when you do have it. And he doesn't. 
Yeah, I, I need to have a look at his shots for and against and just see if he's got high danger chances that are being created that aren't being finished off while he's on the ice. And I, I'm too lazy to, to look at that. But you are right. With him not actually getting just straight out counting stats, what's, what's he there for? And you're exactly right. Whether he had good goals for or not... And he drags Marino down. That's a bad pairing. Yes, that's right. And, you know, they've got him for a while at a high clip. and that's the He's problem. like one of the longest tenured players. Yeah. Him as and far Tanev as... are going to be... Yeah. Oh, I got a... About Tanev. Uh, let me... Is, is this how you're supposed to do things? Because I remember people, like, doing this kind of shit when Malkin's out or Crosby's out and they have an agenda. You know, the Penguins are 5-2-1 and one without Tanev, and their penalty kills 88.5% without him. Yeah, that, I love those. That's brilliant. <laughs> Listen, I'm not doing that. That is oh, true. I know. <laughs> I actually did that as a joke. It is true. They are 5-2-1. and one. It is 88.5% on the penalty kill. But no, I'm not. <laughs> I hate when that happens to Malkin. Uh, oh, no, the Penguins, are, the Penguins have a winning record well. without Malkin. They don't need him. Yeah, right. Like, Tanev uh, is one of the Penguins' obviously 12 best forwards. He's at a point five points per game this year, having a good year. Um, He's on the team. I, I really don't like the contract, but he's on the team. He's not going anywhere. Uh, him being out is not helping. No, it certainly isn't. Um, and we'll see what happens with Kapanen. I really haven't seen an update on that. Um, no, that I'm curious. Hurt. I'm curious with that one, with that with that boy. It was like I saw the... I actually got to watch the two games last night. I got there and sort of fast-forwarded my way through them. And it's like, you see him get hit on the outside of the ankle like that. And you're like, oh, crap, is there a crack in it? And then in typical Penguins fashion, looks like he's dead. Still manages to play some of the game. No, nah, but he, they did, he did leave. Usually they finish the game and then they miss like a month. Yes, but you, you sort of sit there with it and go, oh, God damn it, it's the same thing again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, ah. Uh, so, and there's nothing you can do about that kind of injury. Like if it's a crack in the ankle or in the foot or whatever, he's out until the bone heals. There's no magic recovery for that. It just, it is what it is. <laughs> Right. And that that sort of an injury is one of those things where it might just blow everything up in regards to what's the point of wasting assets trying to improve the team when you're not going to get Kapanen back until the late in the third round. Okay, like, so, I mean, obviously that changes, like, this whole fucking podcast if that were to come out. I'm not advocating to trade for anybody. I agree with you. But yeah, that, yeah. at this point, I assume, until I hear otherwise, short-term nicked up, coming back probably yes. shouldn't assume that but but every but the thing is though technically after the deadline the team will be healthy they'll have everybody that is currently out now injured is supposed to return before the, the season finishes so that and, and this team is magically rolling along listen they add to this roster i am not scared of the capitals I am not scared of the Islanders, who they've I'm already sc- played well against. I'm uh, the Bruins are the Bruins. Yes. But, okay, they seem to be in the third or fourth slot. So unless the Bruins are two and three, Penguins don't even get them in round one. No, and then hopefully somebody else knocks them off and we just play the other team. I get I, I get that. I understand that. But the, the Bruins are the team that, that worry me the most. Out of all of the teams in the division, Um. They're the ones that terrify me the most because Bergeron can shut Crosby down. He's and, probably the only guy. One yeah, of. And it always feels to me as though Pittsburgh just struggle mightily against that team over the past decade. And I'm like, I don't want any part of that. You know, I don't want to have... I don't want to you know, be the I'm, fucking Maple Leafs here. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah. I also don't want to be oh, another first round exit. And it's like, Ugh, it's another year down. There's not many left sort of scenario. So That's why I think you got to add. Yeah. 
we're in agreement there. But yes, like you said, we just throw the podcast out if Kapanen, <laughs> if Kapanen's out for an extended period of time. <laughs> At some point, injuries are injuries, and they can. It, hockey's not fair. Life's not fair. Yeah. You got to react to that and make good choices, and um, hopefully that's not the case. And it isn't as of right now. So. No. So stay positive, Cameron. Don't get, don't get all doom and gloom. Would be the so, wise way to do it. So, that's um, that's the rundown feels, with everything. Uh, feels like it, really, doesn't it? Obviously, there are other players the Penguins can trade for other than Taylor Hall, Dustin Brown, Ryan Getzlaff, but, you know, those were just some names that popped into my head during this. And we'll see where this goes. I think the Penguins should act sooner rather than later if they're confident the injuries they know about will be back before the regular season ends. And... We'll see what happens after playing the Islanders and Bruins. Uh, Pittsburgh has done well against the Islanders this year. Uh, but I'll say this. The Islanders are without, uh, was it Brock Nelson or Anders Lee who? Anders Lee's the one that's killing him at the moment. Well, one of them's out for the year. Well, that, is it that's Anders Lee? Lee? That's, that's Lee, yep. That's a big loss for them. And yes, it is. You know, that that helps the Penguins. <laughs> obviously yes um when they play against them uh let's see what happens get through the islanders get to the bruins hopefully the flyers are still 10 points behind <laughs> which is which could happen although the flyers do get the sabers coming up it'll be a real battle here the dumpster fire of the flyers and carter hart meeting the immovable force of the buffalo sabers now without eric Stahl. um <laughs> So I, I like where the Penguins are. I think Micah's playoff probabilities had the Penguins at like 88% and the Flyers at 16 today. So Pittsburgh's in a good spot. They really need to um, evaluate what they want to do for this season. They might have to reevaluate moving those prospects. Um, you know, saving those prospects isn't going to – in my opinion, make a difference down the line. Certainly not going to, they're not going to be a playable asset to help um, Crosby and Malkin. They could surprise me, but from, like I said at the very beginning, you should be running shit in the queue as a 20 year old. Especially, they're on one of the better teams, too. So, yeah. They're putting up like eight goals a game, so that slightly above a point per game is. It just—it's one of those things where if you're a twenty-year-old playing against potentially sixteen-year-olds and you're not tearing it up, how are you supposed to be a twenty-year-old to be just a fourth liner in going against um, Tom Wilson? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> it's just—it it is one of those things where you do look at that. If you're not doing, you know, two points a game plus, I at twenty, where are you headed? You know, you've got college players that are like 20 that are playing against, you know, a lot more 20-year-olds that can do it, but they're not... A lot of the college freshmen are like 21, 22 now. Yeah. So... I was retired by then. (laughs) Yeah, I know that feeling as well. I had used my eligibility up by 21 because I played at... I was an early high school graduate because I had a late August birthday, so... Ah. I was 17 graduating. Right. Oh, so some of these guys don't even get to school before yeah. I was I was done. <laughs> yeah, so it, yeah, I don't it's one of those things where hopefully they're just talking about those prospects like that to try and pump the value up and someone's stupid enough to fall for it, but every time you think a general manager's not that stupid, they do. And we don't have a good um gauge on how the Burke Hextall combo is even going to work. No. This will be an interesting deadline for multiple reasons. They're not in an easy spot, and I'm probably not going to be as tough on them as I've been on Rutherford um, right at the moment, because Rutherford well, the, left them a shit sandwich. 
did. However, off-season signings, it's uh, it's a free-for-all. And after like after this trade deadline, it'll be no. Nah, you guys just fucked up. You knew the you know the cupboard. You know what's in the cupboard. You've then got to work out what you're going to take out and what you're going to keep. So this deadline, yeah, I, it'll be like, yep, they did what they could, pretty much. So, all right, well, well, uh, that that will be that then. All so, right. Well, we'll see you next time, I suppose. Yep, we'll see you next time, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about, maybe even a Taylor Hall trade with hey! Ryan Getzlaff and Dustin Brown. They're all coming in. It's a rejig. It's a complete rejig. So, all right. See ya. See ya, guys.